Well, good morning, church family. I uh, contemplated wearing my pajamas this morning so I could fit in with you, but I didn't think I could get away with that. I'm pretty sure Pastor John is watching this live stream right now. Um, but hey, take your Bible, wherever you are, take your Bible. I hope you have one. Let's go to Psalm chapter 56. I do want to thank the Lord for technology. Um, for all the trouble that it brings us, we still get to gather in spirit. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, we had actually planned this morning to continue through our message series in 1 John. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I work with some of the most type A planning people you have ever met. Uh, do you know Derek, John, David? Love them to death. But they plan. And so we actually plan out our sermons a month ahead of time. And I'd spent the past month working on a sermon. And I felt pretty good about it. Um, but yesterday morning, Pastor Derek called me. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but Pastor Derek, he does not the type of guy to just call you and check on your day. Um, he called and he needed something. Here's what he said. He told me, he said, hey, if you want, you can go ahead. You can preach the sermon that you have planned. Or if you got something down in the hole for this occasion, bring it out. He said it just like that. If you got down something down, something down the hole, bring it out. I thought, I, I don't know what that means. Um, and I, I don't have anything, man. I, I, wish, I wish I had like an amazing sermon for this time. I just got to stick with what I know. And he was fine with that. He encouraged me. Just preach what you got. And um, after we got off the phone, God began stirring in me. And I don't want to over, be overly spiritual here, but I began to feel strongly that I could not and should not preach the sermon I had planned to. We all know what's on everyone's hearts and minds today, and I don't think it would be right of me to ignore that. So I began praying and pacing my house and sweating profusely. Um, and I, I believe God has given me some things to share with you from his word this morning. I simply want to give you this morning a comfort, a calling, and a command in the COVID-19 pandemic. So first, a comfort. People all around our country are reacting in so many different ways to what's going on. There are people who are downplaying it. It's no big deal. Some people are panicking. Some people are politicking, and uh, some people are buying all of our toilet paper. <laughs> what? Please, please tell me that's not you. What? You know who you are. Uh, my dad, he, he sent me this meme. Uh, you know how dads are. We have a family group chat, and he sent me this meme, and he said, it said this. If you need 144 rolls of toilet paper for a 14-day quarantine, you probably should have been seeing a doctor long before COVID-19. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. You know, humor is my preferred way of dealing with fear. Um, we see a lot of that online, but I think if we were all honest this morning, one emotion that we do fear, feel today is fear. You know, there's so much we, we simply just don't know. We've heard all these conflicting things for weeks, and we watch other countries like Italy who are suffering, and we think, what is this gonna, what's going to happen to us? And maybe you're really tough, and you're not scared of the virus, or whatever, but maybe you fear economic suffering. Maybe you fear losing someone that you love, or maybe you just fear being cooped up with your family for too long. You know, all of us experience fear in one way or another. Fear is a normal reaction to a threatening situation. And as sinful people with sinful flesh, when we encounter the unknown, usually our gut reaction is fear. Let me tell you, I know this personally. I have struggled with anxiety and fear my entire life. 
In fact, some of my earliest memories as a kid are me feeling anxious. Like I was that kid every summer at church camp who would go to the camp nurse every day, three times a day, begging to go home, feeling so sick from anxiety. Even leading up to this sermon, my gut reaction is to sprint far away. But let me tell you, there is a verse I've been clinging to, and not just in this season, but God's actually put it on my heart for months and months ago. It's just one verse, and it's amazing that God has just been taking me to this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And when I started praying yesterday, God, what do you want me to share? He said, you know, you know. And so I want you to look with me at Psalm 56, verse 3. King David, who wrote this psalm, is in an absolutely terrifying situation. He has been captured by the Philistines, and he is desperate, and he goes to God in prayer. And I just want to show you one verse in verse 3. Look at what he says. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say if I'm afraid. He says when. Like he assumes we're going to have times in life when we're afraid. Like we can't always control that our first impulse is to fear. And it grips us, but we can control what comes next. He says, when I'm afraid, that's when I put my trust in you. Even in the midst of fear, panic, and unknown, we can choose to trust. And here's the comfort part. We have a God worth trusting. The more you know God, the more you will trust him. I'll never forget, I was actually a few years ago in Tennessee, I was in counseling with a pastor and I was explaining my story of anxiety and he looked across at me and he said, do you believe that God is sovereign? I thought, well, of course, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been to seminary, I'm a big sovereign guy, got big books on the subject, quote some scripture for you. And he said, you know, I'm sure you believe in God's sovereignty. But do you believe that God is sovereign and good? And that really struck me. You know, I I couldn't answer it. Of course I believe God is good. I mean, it's the first thing you learn as a kid. God is great. God is good. But did I really believe it? And I learned through that to find great comfort in the fact that we have a God who's not just sovereign and he's not just good, but he's sovereign and good. The same God that Ephesians 1.11 says works all things according to the counsel of his will is the same God that Romans 8.28 says works all things together for the good of those who love him. The same God we read in Proverbs 19.21 that says his purpose will stand is the same God we read in Psalm 18.30 that says his way is perfect. Our God is in control and there is no sickness that can change that. And he's also working for his glory and our good. And trust me, I, I know this is hard to believe sometimes. Like sometimes it just doesn't make sense to think, how can this be good, God? How, how can this work out? But that's when we trust. And we see it all throughout the world, the word. God loves to take the worst of situations and bring out good. He's always working. So the more we know God and the fact that he's sovereign and good, the more we find comfort. And second, we need a calling. He said, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. That's the calling to trust. When fear creeps in, as followers of Jesus, we're called to trust. Maybe you know this like I do. Our minds are really good at scaring us, getting us all worked up. I heard uh, someone say to me one time, 
Your mind loves to take you on a trip to what if land. You ever been to what if land? I think honestly, I think I'm like a season ticket holder to, to what if land. Um, what if land is that imaginary place that your brain takes you where you build this entire worst case scenario based off what ifs. And it's not even real. And that's how fear introduces our, into our lives. It says, what if this happens? What if I get sick? Or what if they get sick? Or what if this gets worse? Or what if I lose my job? Or what if, or what if, or what if? We can't always stop the what ifs from coming. But we can choose who we trust. We can speak to the what if and say, yes, there's unknown. But I'm putting my trust in God. I'm not going to what if land today. And you know, I don't think I really understood trust as much as I do now until I had kids. My wife and I actually had our second child, our son Benjamin, almost three weeks ago. And yeah, uh, having a newborn in a global pandemic is also very anxiety-inducing. But uh, my little son, he, you know, he, he's a newborn. He, he doesn't do much, but he cries. Like you ask Charlotte, how's Benjamin doing? He'll say, he's crying. He's crying. That's what she'll say. And so when I have to change his diaper, he doesn't like that. But then he pees all over me. And I don't like that. And I have to change his clothes and I have to wipe him down. And man, he is crying so hard. He thinks I'm like torturing him. And I want to say, man, listen, trust me. I got you. I'm taking care of you. I think that's exactly what God so often wants to say to us. And I know this is scary. I know there's so much unknown. I know this hurts right now, but trust me, I've got you. Man, I've always loved that story of Jesus in Mark 4. Do you remember when he and the disciples went out on the boat and the storm was raging? The disciples are doing exactly what I so often do, panic. We're going to die. And they run to Jesus. And do you remember what Jesus was doing? He was asleep. He wakes up. He says, peace. He calms the storm. He says, why were you afraid? You have a little faith. But man, I've, I've prayed so many times, God, when the storm comes, I want to be sleeping. Like, that's how much confidence and trust I want to place in you. I want to sleep. And we know that when we trust God, that is an incredible witness. And that's another part of our calling in this time, to demonstrate trust to the world, trust in Jesus. As the world panics, as people storm Costco, we can be different. Like we can be agents of peace and show trust. Man, what an opportunity we have to proclaim the gospel to a terrified world. We trust because we know Jesus. We know that every single day on earth is a gift of God's grace. We know that because of our sin, we deserve God's judgment. We even deserve hell. But we know that by his grace, we have been saved through faith. And we know that God sent his son Jesus to die in our place so that we could have life and we know through him we will. We know, we know these things. We know Jesus and that should affect the way we act and think and speak. It should affect the way we engage online and even shop in stores. We know Jesus, we trust him and that's gonna be a powerful witness in these coming days and weeks. That's our calling. I saw online this, this morning on Twitter Someone just say, man, all these churches putting their services out online today, maybe the gospel will go viral. Man, we have such an opportunity through our witness, through technology, to now show the world what we believe. But it's important to note that trust and faith don't mean that we're careless. 
Right? It's not wrong to be cautious, especially to protect those who are vulnerable among us. That's why we're not meeting today. We wanted to be obedient to our authorities, and Romans 13 has called us to do. And we also wanted to respect and honor those who are vulnerable to this virus, which brings us to the third thing. We've seen comfort, calling, and here's the command. It's to love one another. Flip on over with me to 1 John chapter 3. Turn in your Bible. This is actually where we were going to be today. Um, and I, I do want to read it to you this morning because it, it does fit. It does have a word for us. And I'm not going to preach my whole sermon as I planned. Don't freak out. Um, but I want to highlight just a few quick things for you that John has to tell us about love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. John tells us that the mark of a Jesus follower, the identifying mark, is love, especially for other Jesus followers. Loving one another is an essential implication of the gospel. When I was in high school, I got a job at our town's grocery store. Um, didn't love the job, but you know, it paid the bills. It put gas in my truck. There was one part of my job that I really didn't like, and it was the uniform I had to wear. Um, every day when we come in, we clock in, we had to put on a bright red apron. It wasn't so much the fact that it was an apron or that it was bright red, but it was the fact that this apron was the identifying mark that I was an employee of the store. And you think, yeah, it's kind of the point. But I didn't like that. Like, I wanted to fly under the radar. This made me a marked man, okay? And this is what happened. Whenever the eggs needed to be restocked, guess who they told? The guy in the red apron. When little Johnny decided to bust a gallon of milk on aisle one, who did they tell? The guy with the red apron. And when the men's toilet in the bathroom was overflowing, who did they tell? Not me, because that's when I took it off. I was done. Like, that was, that was when I, I walked off. I said, that's too far. But, man, that red apron was an identifier of my role. Do you know what the red apron is of every believer? It's love. Jesus told his disciples in John 13, he said, hey, these people are going to know that you're my disciples if you go to church on Sunday? No. If you post Bible verses on social media? No, that's not what he said. He said, if you love one another. Love is essential. It's an essential part of the gospel. In fact, John says it's an assurance of our salvation. And he makes this clear. This is the whole Bible. Those who love God love his people. And we have an opportunity right now to show the world what the love of Jesus looks like. We have an opportunity to be different and to stand out. Why the world hoards things. We have an opportunity to give to those in need. While the world isolates itself in fear, we have an opportunity for healthy to serve people around us. And while the world binges on Netflix, we have an opportunity to check on people, to call those in need and to pray. Man, I, I've seen people saying online, oh, we shouldn't be worried. You know, this virus, it's, it's only going to affect those who are over a certain age or who have bad health or who or have a compromised immune system. 
And I'm thinking, that shouldn't make us feel better. Like, why does it matter what age or what condition someone is in before we care? If we are pro-life, if we care about life, we must care for all of life. And what a great time for us to do that as we know a huge segment of our population is at risk. A major section of our church is at risk and we've been commanded in times like these to love one another. So let me challenge you today. How can you love your neighbors during this time? How can you love the members of our church during this time? How can you actively serve those in need and take care of the vulnerable among us? How can you support the healthcare workers in our community that are about to be overrun and exhausted? And most importantly, how can you point people to the gospel of Jesus in the midst of panic? And I know we're gonna have to be creative here, but now is the time to love one another. So what can you do? I wanna close out our time we have together by simply reminding us and pointing us back to the gospel. This is the key. The gospel, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is what makes all of this possible. The gospel gives us comfort because we know our eternity is secure. Jesus has been raised, defeating death, and the scripture says that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the gospel gives us a calling because we've been adopted as children of God through the blood of Jesus. And if we are his children, then we must trust and obey like children. And the gospel gives us a command because if Jesus gave all, then all to him we owe. We must take up our cross, deny ourselves, follow him, and love others more than we love ourselves. This is the gospel that we cling to today and every day and even in a pandemic now more than ever. We need Jesus and we need to proclaim him.